This is Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Ball Review, speaking with Adam Spillane of Sports Radio 610 and their Grand Junction Rockies baseball team. Is that right? There you got it. All right. How are you, man? I'm good. Sitting in a hotel in the great city of Utah right now, so no complaints from me. You're not you're not crying and throwing in your NBA press pass for a 2018-19 season that it's not hasn't started yet. It's all over, gloom and doom. No, not yet, but I'm sure that's coming in a couple of weeks. <laughs> so what are your let's just deal with the local team that you and I cover directly, the Houston Rockets. Trevor Reza surprised a lot of people agreeing to sign elsewhere. The one year, fifteen million with the Phoenix Suns. What were your thoughts on that? I was shocked, to be honest with you. And I, I, I asked the question even, I think it was right before free agency. I, you know, I said, you know, because you heard all the stuff about Ariza and, you know, him maybe looking elsewhere and looking for other deals. And you just think, how can a guy who's 33 years old, you know, I know he's trying, you know, he's been underpaid and he probably wants to, to get a payday, but how can he go from game seven of the Western Conference Finals to the team with the worst record in the NBA? Uh, so I was obviously very surprised that he went that route, especially considering it was only a one-year deal. So I'm surprised that, A, he left, but B, I'm surprised the Rockets weren't willing to match a one-year deal for him. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you consider how close they were. They paid to bring back Chris Paul, and you know they paid top dollar for him. Paul didn't give them any sort of a discount, and they just let Ariza go the way that they did. You just figured that they would, when Chris Paul on Twitter – after he agreed to his deal, said, let's run it back or whatever. Well, they're not running it back because they're not keeping one of the most important guys on their team. I'm just very surprised that, A, he left, and, B, the Rockets let him leave. And uh, Tad Brown said similar on Twitter last night, you know, trying to calm Rockets fans' nerves down about it. But he also mentioned running running it back. And you're right. They're not running it back. Ariza's not coming back. So you're not running it back with the same group of people. So that in itself is a big, big difference from this past season to the upcoming season. And Ariza was a huge part of their defense, their switches, a glue guy, you know, veteran leadership, all those positives. But I'm wondering, because it's surprising that the Rockets did not, you know, agree to match or anything like that. But it seems like the way it happened so quickly that the Rockets had discussed this with Trevor and his people previously, you know, last few days, week two, whatever, and said, you know, because we assume, you got to assume Ariza's folks tossed out numbers to the Rockets, and the Rockets said, okay, we'll, this is what we're going to counter. And they're just like, okay, this isn't going to happen. So Ariza went ahead, well, I got to do his best for me. Rockets said, okay, well, thank you for your, your time and service here. You take care because you notice during the playoffs, Tillman was asked about resigning Clint and CP. He had no problem. He had no problems. Yeah, we're going to pay Clint. We're going to pay Chris. No one really asked about Trevor Reese. You didn't really hear Trevor Reese's name mentioned in the public eye about coming back to the Rockets as if we assumed it was a given. Clearly it wasn't. Clearly it must have been more important for Trevor to get that big payday, even if it is just for one year, than to come back to the Rockets. I'm, I just assumed that he was always coming back, Chris. I never thought that he would leave. They were so close. You know, he had such good relationships, we thought, with 
with the guys on the roster with Chris Paul and with Harden and the way that D'Antoni would always rave about him. He just never thought that it was even a question. And so it it was disappointing because when the season did end, we never got to do the whole exit interview thing with the players. So nobody really got to ask Trevor Ariza about any of the, about his status for the future, because you're not going to bring that really, you can't really bring that up when you're in the middle of the Western conference finals, especially after game seven, when he didn't make a shot and he was clearly pretty emotional after that game. So we never really got to, got any information on, on what his thinking was going into the off season. But I just always assumed he was coming back. I, I, you know, we, we talked right before free agency started uh, last month about, you know, who would you think are the guys that would be back and wouldn't be back? And I just always figured that a reason was coming back. So uh, I, I was very surprised. I still am. And you look, you know, they brought back Chris Paul and they brought back Gerald Green, but they haven't done anything else. And that window, that gap between them and the Warriors seems to be widening every single day. And I don't know what's out there for them to do now. I mean, Chris, when you look at who's left, play the wing is there anybody that makes you think yeah they can go get this guy and they can be right where they were last year and you know and now you're going into the, the next part of the discussion but real quick you touched on in, in the locker room honestly when when trevor spoke to us after game seven from his the expression on his face and the tone of his voice i thought he was gone right then listening to him and looking at him i was like yeah he's got he's out of here he's not coming back that's how i took it. I, yeah. I i took it in the sense that he looked like he had been crying or was close to crying is that, and this is all good because as you said, we did not ask him directly about it. So it was nothing on the record for us to have concrete, but I just took it as a, a good, like, yeah, he and the Rockets have decided this is, they're going to part ways. That's, that was my take on it. So when he you agreed, that, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, cause that, that in, in a way it reminds me of, of Patrick Beverly from the year before where I think everybody would have thought that Patrick Beverly was a rocket for life. And then you heard him after game six in San Antonio talking about he's got to go home and decide his future or whatever he, he said. And then, you know, a month or so later, he's not even, yeah, a month or month, month and a half later, he's been traded to the Clippers. So I guess maybe those two situations are, are very similar with one another. Maybe you're right. Maybe he did know that it was over. That's a, that's an interesting point that you bring up. But He's gone now, and the biggest issue is, as you just touched on, what can the Rockets, what are the Rockets going to do to replace him? I would, I'm, I'm surprised that they haven't reached an agreement with Luke already. Since Ariza's gone, the Rockets people were, as far as we were, were told, they met with Gerald Green as soon as free agency period opened. And then, what, a day or so later, they met with Clint Capella's people in Los Angeles. I haven't heard anything about them meeting with Luke. But now that Reese is gone, Joe Green's not going to be your starting small forward. I hope not. I hope that's what they're expecting because no. that's, 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 that's not a good good fit. No, 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 it's not. Um, I think, Chris, because the Rockets are so limited in what they can offer to him or to anybody else. And so they might, they might just be out there looking for – money at this point lose people and they might just be saying hey let's see if we can let's see what's the most that we can get right now and if we can't get more than the you know two point whatever the rockets can offer the 5.3 if that's what the rockets would go to then then we'll then we'll stay with, with the rockets but i think that might be what they're looking at more than anything else but 
I'm, I've got a well, – I, I want to know what you think about that because I, I think I know who the Rockets might start at, at small forward because if they're relying on Lupa Mute to play big minutes next season, I think they're in for a disappointment because you just saw it this year. I mean, he's, he was really good for them when he played, but he's 31 years old, and he dislocated his shoulder twice, and he was virtually unplayable uh, in, in the playoffs. So if that's who they're going to rely on to replace Trevor Ariza, they're in some trouble right now. And, and see, that's really where I'm – I'm leaning toward because I, you know, going on my theory that the Rockets made up their minds to move on from Ariza, why would they put their eggs in the basket of Luke based on how he finished the season last year? So I'm kind of concerned about that. You know, we're media, so we're not fans. We're not living and dying by what the Rockets do or do not do. Let the fans do all that stuff and cry and bitch and complain and all that kind of stuff. But from a basketball standpoint, Luke, as you said, dislocated his shoulder twice, was ineffective against the Warriors. He's 31 years old. Yeah, he was bad. His confidence was, was shot. So give me the name of the person you think that the Rockets are looking, looking at. Or should look at. I, I think there's somebody on the roster who they who they're going to think about putting in that starting lineup, and it's Eric Gordon. I think that you'll see. I think there's a really good chance, as it stands now, they will open the season with Paul Harden and Gordon in the starting lineup, and then they'll figure out. I mean, obviously, I think they hope that Capella is back and then PJ Tucker in there. I think that's what they're looking at right now. So, do you do you think that they would want to start Vincent Edwards at small forward? I mean, they could, but I mean, we've seen it in the past. It's not like Mike D'Antoni likes playing them guys. So all of a sudden you're you're just going to have him throw a rookie into the starting lineup. I think when you look at the roster that they have set up, and obviously it would mess with rotation, but they can bring Gerald Green off their bench and provide some offense if they want. I think that Eric Gordon right now is the leading candidate to take Trevor Ariza's spot in the starting lineup. With July 3rd, that, that makes sense to me. That could be their their fallback plan. And that wouldn't shock me even if they did re-sign Luke. No, even if they did re-sign Luke to start Eric. I I think that's what they want to go to right now. I mean, you you saw it in that Warriors series. They wanted to play those three together as much as they could. So why not just start the three of them together? I mean, it it screws up the bench, but if they're going to have Paul Harden and Gordon on the floor, you know, at least two of those basically at all times. So why not go that way? I, I think that's my, I think if, if, if you're Mike D'Antoni right now, I think that's the, the direction that you go. And now obviously there's still some time and they can do other things, but that's what I would do right now. I would start Eric Gordon. And Eric Gordon was tagged in the, the tweet that Tad Brown put out on Twitter last night about the guys who the Rockets are going to run, run it back with. It was Gordon, Harden, CP, and even Nene, which why in the world he decided to tag Nene in that, I have no idea. But so you may be right. That kind of makes me just shake my head. But uh, ultimately, the Rockets team that starts the season won't be the team that finishes, this play, you know, starts the playoffs. They're going to make some, you know, moves and acquisitions between October 20th and obviously trade deadline, but it's always Moy's plan to pick up a, a veteran free agent who got cut March 1st and sign him from time for the playoffs, go overseas and get somebody. 
you and I have talked many times about D'Antoni's lack of trust in young players and a shrinking bench. So I really find it hard to believe that there is anybody that is on the summer camp roster that they would expect anything from during the season. So Eric Gordon starting makes sense a little bit. I think that they should go out and look for somebody else on the free agent market. I don't know who that is right now other than Luke because one guy that we mentioned in our previous talk, or I think we talked about him um, just back and forth, Anthony Tolliver, I think would have been a good fit, but he went ahead and agreed with uh, Minnesota. So yeah, the Rockets' options yeah, are limited. We'll have to see what they're going to do. Yeah, you're looking at Kyle Anderson, who's a restricted free agent at the wings. Uh, I don't know. Jabari Parker is more of a power forward at this point, but I don't think, and he's also restricted. I'm just going through a top 25 list right now. Let's yeah. see. Yeah, Wayne Ellington, who's a free agent, he's unrestricted. Uh, I don't think that's somebody that they, they would really look at. I mean, he can shoot, but he's not going to help them at all defensively. Rodney Hood, hey, there's, you know, he had a couple of solid minutes against the uh, Warriors in the West in the, uh, in, in the NBA Finals. Um, Dante Exum, but he's a point guard. Kylo Quinn is out there. Dwayne Wade is out there. Shabazz Napier is out there. Nemanja Bialica, I, I've always liked him, and uh, the Warriors just pulled their qualifying – or not the Warriors, the Wolves just pulled their qualifying offer from him. So that could be a possibility. But, again, that's not really the position that, that we're looking for. I mean, when you look at the wings, the two and the threes, there just isn't a whole lot out there at this point. And so I just – I don't know. They, they've just kind of left themselves in a weird spot where they have a free agent who's really good at the wings, and they just let him go. And they didn't have – they'd never really put a plan in place to replace him. And we've talked about that in the past where you know, they had Ariza. They never developed anybody behind it. So they were always so dependent on him over the years, especially once he got into the postseason, that you just figured that they would always make the priority to bring him back at any chance they had, and they hadn't done that. And so now they're, they're caught, and I just don't know what they do at this point. Eric Gordon starting makes a hell of a lot more sense than Joe Green starting. <laughs> yes. yes, yes. And, and I think that we saw it in, in the Warriors series. The more minutes you give Eric Gordon, the better off you're going to be. And he proved to be a very good player against the best team in the world. So you might as well just roll with him. And the, the three of those, Gordon, Harden, and Paul together, that, that, that three-man lineup is very, very good. So at this point, make that your death lineup and, and just go with that. And have P.J. start at the four? And Clint started yeah. the five. Assuming he comes back, hey, they're they're stuck. They they have to bring him back at this point. And I'm surprised that that they've let this go this long because the last thing that they can afford to do is just let him take the qualifying offer. Because if he takes the qualifying offer and he's an unrestricted free agent going into next year when more teams have cap space, then there's a good chance that they lose him. So they need to get this done and get a multi-year done a multi-year deal done with him as soon as they can. Yep, and if he's unrestricted next summer. More teams have cap room, and the cap goes up by, what, $8 million. So more folks will have more money to spend on Clint. So they got to do that. And and it, and, and it seemed like the Mavericks, even though they signed DeAndre Jordan, that's a one-year deal. Mm-hmm. And they will have plenty of cap space because they get they get uh, Wes Matthews off their books after next year. So they will have more cap space to throw at Clint Capella. So they just, just take care of it and don't chance it because that's a key, key guy for them 
and he's still out there, and somebody can go swoop him up if they want. And he is their youngest good player. <clears throat> Everybody else we're talking about is older, and, you know, I mean, he is so vital to what they do on offense, and the defense is getting better, so they really need to get this done. And he's not just their youngest player. He's their only young player, really, yeah. that, 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 that I think has any value. I mean, the guys that they just drafted, I mean, those, those guys are fine, and we'll see if they can contribute anything. But the guys that they had on the roster at the end of the last season, he was it when it came, when it came to, to the young guys that you feel like have a future in the NBA. I mean, I, I'm not going to close the book on Joshi yet, but there was nothing that he did when he actually did play that made me think he was an NBA player. And Monday when we walk through, I don't think there's anything there. So he's it. I mean, he's 23 years old, and they need him at this point. He, they, he's basically – it's him and Harden. That's the future of the team at this point because Paul's, gonna, Paul's already old. He's only going to get older. So they need to start preparing for the future. But what teams – which teams are out there – for Clint Capella and his people to have leverage? Yeah, that's a good question. And there really isn't much. Um, if Atlanta wanted to go that way, maybe they could, but it doesn't seem like that's a direction that they want to go in. But if you're the Hawks, which, I mean, is that something that you consider? And I was so surprised that Dallas just jumped at DeAndre Jordan the way that they did because they could have easily just, you know, they, they could have just built around a, Doncic and Dennis Smith Jr. and 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 Capella and that that threesome is is pretty good. That's a really good young threesome that they could have just gone with. And for whatever reason, Mark Cuban elected to go with Jordan instead. So I don't know if there's anybody out there for him right now. But that's why I, I still don't think that if you're the Rockets, you can just sit there and wait. There is always the danger that he could just take the qualifying offer, and now all of a sudden he's an unrestricted free agent. So they need to give him something that he can sign in a multi-year deal so that they don't have so that they can just not have to worry about him going into the market next year. That's a, I think that's a key part for them right now is to just get him taken care of. Agreed. The Rockets shouldn't wait, but Clint probably should wait. Yeah. You know, because it, maybe he might get something from another team, but the Rockets should not wait. They need to get it done as quickly as possible to, for this season and the, the next two, three, four seasons afterwards because Clint is this I mean, really, he is so so vital to what they do on offense and defense. Losing him, you and I and media will have will will be covering a, a average team real quickly from instead of a competitive elite level team. And all it takes is for a 33-year-old, a 33-year-old point guard to, you know, have some sort of a nagging injury. Which, let's be honest, we saw it happen for quite a bit of last season, and it cost them the last two games. So that's all that it takes for them to be, you know, right on the edge of being out of the playoffs if if, if that were to happen. Um, yeah, and, and if they can get Capella locked up, then they have their core locked up for a long time, and they don't have to worry about any more free agents and they can just try and build around what they've got with Tucker who's who they've got three more years with and Gordon who's got two more years and Paul who's obviously got four years and I think Harden's got five years left on his deal. So they can have this core locked up and then they can try and build around it if they can get Capella locked up. And that's what needs to, again that's that's the that's the key thing that they need to worry about right now is getting Clint Capella signed and then you can worry about Lupin Luce and, and Joe Johnson and all the other guys that they have out there right now. 
in terms of now shifting gears to the NBA landscape, were you surprised that LeBron chose the Lakers? And then added to that, are you surprised at who the Lakers have signed? Well, agreed to terms with Lance, Rondo, KCP was more of an agency sports agency deal part of the sports sport group. But what the Lakers have done, are you surprised at all about anything they've done? Uh, I wasn't surprised LeBron went there. I, I we we talked a couple of weeks ago, and I said LeBron was going to go to the Lakers. So not at all surprised that he went there. The stuff that they have done since is just in a, in a sense it's baffling. I don't get the Rondo thing, especially when you have Lonzo Ball on the team, and apparently that they're going to give Rondo a chance to be the starting point guard over Lonzo. So that doesn't make any sense. Uh, KCP is fine. I mean, he's still young, so you know that's somebody that maybe you can that you can have and grow a little bit with LeBron. Um, JaVale McGee and, and these other guys, Lance Stevens, I just, they, they say that they're building for the future, yet they're signing a bunch of old guys. So I, I just don't get that. And then they let Julius Randle go. So I, I just don't understand what the reasoning is for that. And it, it, it feels a lot like what the uh, what the Cavs did after they signed LeBron. Where remember in his letter, LeBron said, oh, you know, we're this, is about, this isn't about this year. This is about the future, and mm-hmm. you know, we're going to try and build something. And then all of a sudden, they're, they're trading, you know, they're trading for Kevin Love. And then they're trading for Timothy Mazda. And now all the all the young guys are gone, and, and and they're trading draft picks every single year. And that, in a sense, feels like what the Lakers might wind up doing with this group. Is they're going to sit there and say, "Oh no, we're we're building for the future," and now they're going to trade all the young assets that they have, or just stunt their growth. So I, I don't understand what they're doing in that regard. Just the Rondo thing is so weird. Why why even go there? To be honest, why even go there with Rondo? when you have Lonzo Ball over there. And they're probably going to wind up trading a bunch of young guys for Kawhi Leonard or somebody else. So it's a it's a strange plan that they're going with right now. So I, I wasn't surprised that he went there. I'm very surprised with what they have done since he announced that he's going there. And the Lakers letting Julius Randle go and apparently not making – well, I'll say it like this. Seemingly choosing JaVale McGee over Boogie Cousins makes no sense. If the whole boogie, the whole boogie thing doesn't make sense. But go ahead, I'm sorry. No, no, because I was gonna. I mean, what I was gonna say is, if what Cousins has said to um, the undefeated Mark Spears that he didn't receive any other offers from <clears throat> from other NBA teams is interesting. Offers you can get into semantics. You know, Pelicans. I'm sure discuss numbers and parameters. You know if that's not the same as an offer, but at least you had an idea of what they're willing to give him. But the Lakers chose JaVale McGee over Julius Randle and Boogie Cousins, really come, when it comes down to it. <laughs> so yeah. that, that adds to what are they doing. And I have no problem with what Cousins did going one year with the defending champions for the mid-level because he's coming off the Achilles, despite what he says about he, his goal is to be there in time for training camp. That's just, okay, great. That seems really wishful thinking because considering how he, he's a tall, big guy. So being, and what's the rush? Not even, not saying just the Warriors, but what's the rush for training camp? But that's his goal. So good for him. But a one-year mid-level, he's betting on himself. 
and be a free agent again next summer when there's more cap room once again, as you said, with Capella. So got no problem with that. Got no problem with what the Warriors did. But if other teams did not even really consider the possibilities to call him and discuss options, that's their fault. What do you think? Yeah, you're, I, I think you're right. The thing that the, – the whole Cousins thing, and I know he said that he didn't get any offers, and I, and I believe that. But at the same time, it, it's July 2nd. So I, I think if he'd have been more patient, there's probably more money out there. And just this – everything went so quickly with the free agency process this, this year where, you know, it was July 1st and basically everyone has already signed. Uh, so I think if Cousins would have given the market a little bit more time to, to take place, then maybe there would have been more out there for him. So that's the only criticism that I will give him and give anybody else is that, you know, let the market, let, let the market move around. Let everybody react to what has already taken place. And while there might not have been a lot of teams out there with money, there might have been you know, more teams with the full mid-level exception that they could have offered, or, or maybe New Orleans would have, would, have, uh, would have picked up their offer or given him an actual offer to try and keep him. Maybe a team calls and, and calls the Pelicans about a possible sign and trade. So that was the thing with me is that he he's betting on himself which is fine. He's going to the best team in the league, which is fine. But at the same time, he's over there saying that he didn't get any offers. Well, he signed on July second, so let the market move a little bit before you start making your decision. Do you do you think if he'd have waited that there would have been more money out there for him with another team? I feel like there would have been. It's Boogie Cousins. I mean, he's a great player. Yeah, I, I I agree with you there. I think he would have received other offers, and he called the Warriors, which indicates to me more thinking of, wow, um, nobody called me, nobody's talking to me. I can't wait any longer. I need to go ahead and reach out to, as you said, it's July second. <laughs> I mean, yeah. so what did you expect? His, if you read the article, he says he kind of expected this scenario. I don't think you did. Based on what you just did, you called the Warriors owner to do this rather than taking a few more days, waiting till after the 4th of July, just waiting a few more days for people to reach out to you and get a feel for what you want. So I'm not, you know, I, that was, he was in a hurry. I think he was disappointed and Eagle may have gotten involved and he was a little bit embarrassed that no one had called him yet. And he, he went ahead and and took the initiative and called the Warriors himself. So it worked out for him and it, it caused a, a panic throughout the NBA landscape and and people wanted to disband the NBA and blame Adam Silver and, and folks on Twitter are saying Adam should just not allow the signing. What are y'all, what? I mean, calm yeah. down. <laughs> You know, yeah, so, some of it is some of it's going too far. No question, some of it's going too far. It, and listen, it, this could have been avoided if they would have done the cap smoothing. And this whole thing gets avoided, but they didn't do it. Um, but hey, the Warriors are taking advantage. The sure. Warriors could have said, "No, we don't. We don't want to. We don't. We don't. We don't need you." But they understand that you, the more good players you have, the better off you're going to be. So good for them. And, and they have a culture that everybody wants to go to. So. That's credit to them. Uh, I have no problem with them signing Cousins. I have no problem with him going there. Just it just makes it 
more fun if you can beat them. It just, it just makes it worth a little bit more. So I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be fun to see how those five guys mesh together and if anybody can actually take them down once you get to the playoffs. You know, and, and I said this on Twitter yesterday, that people love dynasties. They can bitch and moan about they're not good for whatever sport, but people love dynasties. Either they love to see them win or they love to see them fall. No in, no in between. People are, are going to watch the Warriors and hope that they lose because then they'll, the response will be, aha, so you got all that talent and you still lost. But they're, so they're going to be watched. And the NBA is, you know, loves that, loves the attention. And that is the problem that, uh, you know, folks have. I had no problem with it. You know, where was all this discussion when the Bulls won six titles in eight years? You know, this is not the first dynasty the NBA's had. You know, the Lakers and the Celtics ran the 80s. This happens. The Warriors took advantage of the rules available to everybody. The Warriors drafted three of their players. Three, oh, three players became all-stars. Then they got Kevin Durant because of, as you mentioned, the huge bump in salary cap. They got him. And then DeMarcus Cousins, coming off an injury, decided to take less money and sign a one-year deal. What other team in similar situations was, oh, no, it's okay. No, we got enough talent that we have. We have enough talent. We don't want any more. Thank you, but no thanks. No, no, we're good. Who does that? And Chris, and Chris, let's not forget, they, in a sense, took a risk by signing Steph Curry to a long-term deal when he was having all sorts of ankle problems. Yes. And there were a lot of people out there that said, what are, what are you doing giving him four years and $44 million? He can't even stay on the floor. But, uh, but by doing that, obviously the cap spike helped, but by paying Curry a lot less than what he was worth, then that made it a whole lot easier for them to, to bring the Rams into the fold. And they drafted three of those guys. None of them were top five picks. But I think Curry was the seventh pick in the draft. I think Thompson might have been outside the top ten. And, of course, Draymond Green was the second-round pick. So I mean, it's not like that they just tanked to do this. I mean, right. They weren't very good for a while, but they made really smart picks, and that's what got them to this spot. They made a really good hire with Steve Kerr, who understands how to deal with these guys. That can't be understated. I mean – if Stan Van, they now they got a little lucky and they wanted Stan Van Gundy over Kerr, and I don't know if they have the same success if Stan Van Gundy is there because I don't know how he would have been able to handle some of these guys, but it worked out for them in the end, and they found the perfect coach for that group. He hired a really good staff, and it's worked out. It's it's about I, I don't think anybody would have ever thought that it could have worked out this good, but hey, they're the best team right now, and I just hope we see more teams go after them. I think what, what I think what's bad for the league is when you have teams just go out there and tank and not yes. try. If, if you have teams that are going after them and trying to beat them, that's good for the league. But if you have, but if everyone just gives up and they, you know, say screw it, we're not, we're not, we're not even going to try, then that's bad for the league. Not having a great team. Having a great team is not bad for the league. Having 29 other teams that don't want to try to win, that's what's bad for the league. And that's why I think people don't. Not enough people commended the Rockets for this past season. We're trying to beat the Warriors. We are going to beat the Warriors. We have created this team in the in the mindset to beat the Warriors. More and more teams need to have that mentality. We are we are building this team to beat the Warriors. 
not to just take money from our fans and suck for 82 games and hope we can get a, a high draft pick. So I'm with you. I think this is think this is a great thing, and this is how things folks who like competition. Warriors didn't cheat. They didn't break any rules to get the players. So it's up to everybody else to step up your game and do what you got to do. And there is luck involved, as you touched on, with Steph and his injuries. There was injury concern early in his career. Boogie Cousins getting this, agreeing to this, a lower pay because he's coming off an injury. So if he weren't injured and healthy, he wouldn't have had to wait for a $5.3 million offer. He'd have got more money from somebody else. Those things that I think everyone thought he was going to get. Yeah. He'd have got a huge offer from the Pelican to stay in New Orleans. So this is all part of it. There's, there is luck involved. Injuries is part of basketball. Timing is, is all part of these things. So I'm looking forward to watching the Warriors play. When they come to Houston and, and bring their 150 media people in tow for a regular season game, or however, I mean, maybe not 150, but it seemed like 50 at least. It's traveling with them. So, I mean, you know, but they are the the Beatles. They are Elvis. You know, they are the team that people want to see. Either people want to see them win or people want to see them lose. So I look forward to it. And as long as the Rockets don't just turn off their mentality and say, yeah, well, we can't beat the Warriors now, so we're just not even going to try. We spent all this money on these players, but yeah, forget it. We're not going to try. We're not going to compete. Whatever. It's over. We're just going to do what we can and hope for the best. Whatever. That's not... I don't want that mentality here at the Rockets, and I don't believe Tillman has that mindset, and Antonio doesn't have the mindset, Harden doesn't have the mindset, so the Rockets have to fill a void at the small forward spot. As of today, we think it's going to be Eric Gordon, but I also believe Daryl Morey is not stupid. He is a very competitive guy. He is going to try to do something. So what happened to all these Rocket fans who, for years, in Maury, I trust? So did that just disappear? Now the Warriors got Boogie Cousins? <laughs> you can't have it both ways. Man, the Warriors got another yeah. talented player. We're done now. What? And and don't forget, the Rockets still have that Ryan Anderson contract that they could do something with and get something back for. Um, you haven't heard anything about that in a while. But, again, it's, it's July 3rd still. And normally, really, stuff doesn't even happen until you get to this point of the offseason. That's why it's been, it's been a little crazy these last couple of days because everyone signed so quickly. But, I mean, in the past, LeBron James hadn't made his decision until July 7th or 8th. I think yep. it was July 7th or 8th in 2014 before we even knew what was going to happen with Chris Bosh and, and Chandler Parsons and Trevor Ariza back then. So it's still very early in the summer. A lot can still happen. And I expect that something will happen. But I think that all of a sudden people are just throwing their hands up because it's July 3rd and nobody has really come close to to to, to getting close to uh, to Golden State. And listen, the, the gap has widened, no question, since uh, the end of last season with the Rockets. But, it's again, it's July 3rd. So who knows what happens over the next, you know, not just weeks, but, you know, next couple of months. And they can still figure out ways to get better. Um, they will still obviously go into the season as a huge underdog to the Warriors. But, 
they can they can close the gap. There are still things that they can do in order to close the gap. And I would expect that they're going to turn over every rock to try and try and figure out how to do it. But Chris, I'm curious at what you think because assuming that Cousins is healthy and assuming that he gets his normal amount of playing time, he completely changes how the Warriors play. Yes. Because they've never been they've never been a post up team. They are a switch everything team. And I don't know if they can do that with Cousins. Now obviously he would help them offensively uh, just because of the post-ups and against a team like the Rockets that will try and switch everything, you know, that's a benefit to having him. But can they switch everything if, if he's if he's on the floor? And we saw in that in the Western Conference Finals, Clint Capella in a, in a sense got neutralized because they would always have Draymond Green on him. Well, if Boogie Cousins is on the floor with Draymond Green, it's going to be Cousins on Capella. And I think that opens some things up for the Rockets. So, you know, this obviously, it, it helps the Warriors, but I think in a sense, it makes the Warriors a little more traditional and it might make them a little easier to play against. I don't know what you think. I don't know if I'm crazy with that, but that's, you know, that's one of the things that I was thinking about, you know, earlier today, but you know, maybe this in a sense doesn't help the Rockets, but there are certain aspects of how the Warriors are going to play that will maybe bring them back down just a little bit. One, one of the things that has helped make the Warriors successful is because they don't play traditional all the time or as often as some people do or other teams do. Bookie Cousins in the post-up, in a one-on-one, Clint Capella will beat Bookie Cousins up and down the floor all day long. So that's an advantage for the Rockets. You have Bookie Cousins on the floor, you don't have Dream on at the five. You know, and that's one of a huge advantage that the Warriors had because you had Draymond at the five on offense. Draymond would stand around the perimeter, bring the big guy away from the bucket. So much spacing for the Warriors. You know, and it's a quick matchup, mismatch for him to go by the bigger man. Well, you got Boogie Cousins now at the five. He is, he was before the injury quicker than a lot of big men, but chances are that won't be the case now. So he won't be able to have a quickest advantage against other big men like he used to have. So there are some advantages and some minor disadvantages for him being on the Warriors. And we know, and and folks have talked about it, that uh, he played with these guys in uh, USA basketball. So, and, And that Boogie Cousins was a different guy. He was much more team oriented. He still picked up tentacles. He still cried to the referees in, in international play. That's who he is. And that's, you know, we know Draymond Green gets tentacles. We know Kevin Durant gets tentacles. So it's not like Steve Kerr has so much control over the guys that the tentacles just go away. So that's not going to change in Boogie Cousins. He's still going to get teased. He's still going to probably throw the ball at a ref once a month or every two months or whatever, because at some point Steve Kerr is going to say that's just how he is. And he let Draymond be Draymond, right? So he'll let DeMarcus be DeMarcus within parameters. So it's great. He adds offense to them, but in other instances, he is going to detract from them. He is not, I mean, he gets the ball in the post. He's going to pound the air at the ball. That's who he is in the post. He's going to take some bad shots in the post. That's who he is. Remember this. The Rockets 
Kevin Durant against the Rockets for the first few games of that series, people wondered what the hell's wrong with KD. He was struggling to make shots. He wasn't hustling on defense. He wasn't getting rebounds. Remember all that? Then against the Cavs, the second best player in the NBA. <laughs> I mean, you know, in a matter of two weeks, he went from being yelled at by Draymond, like, what's wrong with KD? Why wouldn't he do defense? Why wouldn't he play defense? Why wouldn't he get rebounds? To being the, the killer against Cleveland and LeBron. So things can turn on a dime real quick. And as Rocket fans know, you, you flip the script. If Steph Curry gets hurt and is out for game six and game seven, as in, you know, future season, then who's to say the Warriors are going to be that unbeatable championship team that everybody expects them to be? Yeah, I think I think you're right, and all it takes is one. I, I think that Cousins going to the Warriors is, is going to be great for him. I think it's a, a great basketball environment, and you know I, I don't remember hearing any. I, you always obviously it was a bad situation for him in Sacramento, and it seemed like that that really stabilized in New Orleans once he wasn't really the best player, and you just had better people around. And obviously, I think in Golden State, you're going to have you know there's they're going to police themselves over there. So I think that that's going to be really good for him. And if he's healthy, I think he'll play great. And I hope that I hope he is healthy because it's good for the league if he's healthy. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, crazy stuff happens. And all it takes is one guy to get hurt. Uh, maybe one guy all of a sudden turns into something that we never thought he'd be. Maybe maybe Vincent Edwards does turn in to be a really good player. And maybe he's given an opportunity by Mike D'Antoni. Maybe it's the, uh, the Melton kid out of USC who turns into something and he figures out how to shoot. I mean, you never know. You never know what's going to happen. Uh, I'm not ready to just kill off the NBA season just because the Warriors signed Marcus Cousins. I think that they will probably win the championship again. There's no reason for me to think otherwise at this point. But we just saw it last year where they were this indestructible force, and they got pushed to seven games by the Rockets. So maybe it happens again. Who knows? But uh, I'm not going to stop watching, that's for sure. I'm looking forward to this thing tipping off whenever it does tip off in October. I'm agreed, and I'm with you on that. And one last thing before I let you go. What are your thoughts, and do you believe that NBA, the first few hours of NBA free agency, should be a primetime event? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I don't think that the league was – I don't think anybody would have expected that things would move as quickly this year as they did. Because we've seen it you – know, we, we talked about this earlier – Usually it, it's July 3rd, it's July 4th when stuff really gets done. And all of a sudden this year it was as soon as the, the clock struck midnight, all these deals got done. So, yeah, I think that they will probably – I don't know if you can necessarily make it a primetime special because who knows what's going to happen um, and, and maybe things slow down in the future. But, yeah, I do think that they will do something. I, I think that they need to do this more, you know, in the uh, in the afternoon. You saw with the trade deadline. It used to be the trade deadline was at night, and they'd move that to the middle of the afternoon. But I think, yeah, I think that you will see them adjust and make the adapt and, and adapt to to you know the new cycle and, and how the new cycle works. And uh, I think that it'll be a lot of fun. I don't think that they should do it on a weekend either. Just do it on you know a a, a Tuesday afternoon or something. Don't do July first. Don't just do July first because just because it's July July first. Do it during the week instead of a Saturday night or a Saturday afternoon. I think that that's what you're going to see. Yep, I'd say you know like the first Monday or the first Tuesday of the of, of July or you know whatever. Just pinpoint in 
the agreement, if it has to be agreed upon with the play association, whatever, and they say, okay, at nine o'clock Eastern time, the first Tuesday of July or whatever, free agency begins and TV show will be here on NBA TV and or TNT, whatever, something like yeah, that. Yeah, sell the rights to it. And you sell yeah. the rights. And that's extra money for everybody. Exactly, and everybody loves that. So we know that's how that works. So Adam Spillane, once again, my friend, thank you for your time. Um, Rockets have media availability Thursday for their summer league team. So you can, you, as a you spoke, can follow on Twitter and see who the Rocket people are going to tout as who to watch. Because um, I think they their summer league games on NBA TV, I think, are Friday, Sunday, Monday, I think. The six- Rockets Warriors. <laughs> it's the Western Conference Finals rematch. <laughs> Rockets Warriors, one of those. And and somebody games. is going to tout that as a rematch, yes, you, you know, know. You know they will. Nobody who actually played in the series will, will, will even be in the arena, but, hey, it's, it's a rematch. So that'll be fun. Uh, I, I, I stopped watching Summer League ball as much as, as intently as I used to, but I may glance at it here and there, you know. But I know there will be Rocket fans looking at DeAnthony Melton or Miss Edwards. We did this. We picked this guy. Wow, he's horrible. Or, yeah. or the complete opposite. Look at him, boy. He's awesome. More once again, got another diamond in the rough. Look at him. He's, you know. So we'll just see how it goes and and just enjoy just enjoy it. And then come start of the season, we'll see because I think the rocks will be different from today to August. They'll probably be different, and then during the season they'll be different before the playoffs start. So. We don't know how the Rockets are going to – what team they'll be, what roster they'll have when the playoff, once the playoffs begin. So Yeah, you're right. It, it's, it's, again, it's July 30th. So, really, we have three months before the season really starts. So, you know, everybody sit back and relax and, and let this thing fall the way that it falls. And, you know, the Warriors are going to be favored regardless. And, you know, it, just enjoy trying to take them down because I think that every team should be wanting to take them down at this point. Agreed. And that's how we're going to wrap it up with that. Adam Spillane, Sports Radio 610, and the Grand Junction Rockies, thank you for your time again. We'll we'll talk hoops again, especially if the Rockets fill their small forward board with somebody that we really like or dislike. We've got to talk about that again. So take care, Spo, and I will see you in training camp. Sounds good.